What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to the podcast. Welcome in to another episode of the Triple Play Fantasy Baseball Show. A proud member of Fantasy Points and the Fantasy Points Media Group. D-Mendy here, joined by a tasty dessert that also is the dad of two little cheese sticks. That's Art Cornerbenny, <laughs> a.k.a. Little Cheesecake. <laughs> how's, how's it going? It's going well. I'm going to have to tell my sister how much, uh, how popular my hat is. She's the one who bought me this hat. This was a vacation gift. She wanted to, she wanted, we all went on vacation together. She brought me this hat. I'm going to have to tell her. She's going to be ecstatic to hear that it is now, now part of what makes our show our show is me wearing my baseball cap. It honestly is. I've never seen a hat like it. And I was surprised that you started out with a different hat if viewers looked behind the curtain before the show. <laughs> and it's just like how you're the only dessert in the baseball industry. You're also going to be the only one wearing the baseball hat, literally exactly. baseball hat. So exactly, I-, I love it. Of course, also joined by the uh, a man constantly on the prowl. Take that for however you will. It's Eric Mendelson, a.k.a. The Doc. How's it going? You know, I kind of like that, David. You've given me two compliments in a row. Are you starting to feel okay? I don't know. I, could, I don't. I like there's something the, wrong with me. On the prowl, can you make a noise, kind of like a cat? No, not, okay. no, I'm not doing that. <laughs> I, I figured I'd ask. Okay. Well, and of course, also joining the last member of the crew, I was gonna say the man that had cankles as a kid, but <laughs> oh my gosh! But we talked before the show, and you played basketball, pick up basketball with Adam Sandler, and we've known each other for like a, over a year now, and you have not told us that until now. Yeah. Why? Why? Um, well, I mean, it hasn't came up and, um, but yeah, he ran point guard the whole time. I didn't play, I wasn't on his team and I did not guard him, but I did play against him. Um, he's good. He's a lot better than you think. And while I have this time and this little bit of a, um, a moment, I want to shout out Emily Walden and the guys at Rotoware, the pitching ninja shirts. Ooh, yeah. You know, mine came in today. Um, my sister passed away of cancer. My mother has had cancer. My grandmother's passed away of cancer. So it's hit us hard. So anytime when I saw that news, Emily's an amazing person and everything she does is incredible. So just wanted to you know, let her know we're supporting and uh, we wish her the best in the fight. I couldn't say it better myself. Uh, I love the shirt and they get, you can get that at just rotoware.com. Yep. Yep. Exactly. Yeah, I, I love it. It's awesome looking shirt it's for a great cause. But i tell you something else that's great. That's our guest for today. We welcome in a man that wears backyard baseball in his heart and in his profile picture. A sport info associate for underdog fantasy. Former of Fantasy Pros where he managed the Fantasy Pros news desk. And you can hear him on the Fantasy Baseball Prospects and more. Check out his Patreon because honestly you can never have too much Tuma. Ladies and gentlemen, the, ac- the backyard baseball and... MVP baseball 2005 super fan, the Anthony Volpe gusher, Brennan Tuma. How's it going, man? You had that was so well said. You had to have written that beforehand because that, that was very well done with the too much Tuma uh, woven in there like that. I, I will say I'm not creative enough to to do that on the fly to prep that up. But regardless, you're doing a lot, man. And I I, I mean, just, of course, learning a little bit about you more as I was kind of getting ready for you to come on the show. You're, you're doing a lot in the fantasy space. Also saw you're doing football stuff, too, not just baseball. But I would be remiss if I did not start with the fact that recently you are now full-time at Underdog Fantasy. I, I have to ask you, what was that like when you finally were able to, to get full-time in the space, which many of us are dreaming to do, and then to be at a company like Underdog that's so up-and-coming? 
Yeah, it's really crazy. And it's something you could spend, you know, a whole podcast on uh, the entire time. But like you said, it's a dream that a lot of people, you know, hope to do one day. And it's really just take it took like everything. It Every time I thought I had was doing enough fantasy wise, like I had to push myself farther and everything. So like you said, underdog is like we're really growing right now. It's crazy. And a lot of energy on football that I'm helping out with, but baseball is my first love. Prospects are my first love. I try to be like the prospect guy in a lot of ways, but then out here in the Twitter streets today, I see David talking about Bobby Witt as a top 50 player for 2022 redraft. So you're trying to take that corner from me. And I don't know if I like that that much. <laughs> Wait, were you in on that too? No, I didn't, I didn't get a chance to reply. I was tied up today, but I did every time I logged onto my Twitter, I would see someone else was replying to you talking about that take. <laughs> Hey, you know what? I'll wear it if it's wrong, but uh, I, we talked with Paul Spore on a episode a couple weeks ago just about that specifically, uh, but I, I'm all in on Bobby Witt for this year, especially if he stays at that ADP where I can I don't have to take him in the, the first 50 picks, but I mean, we're going to be talking so much good baseball stuff today that we won't even, we'll say Bobby Witt who, because so many great subjects, because we have our injury bounce back show. So I got a question. Did you guys draft a hitter or a pitcher in 2021 that failed to return value? sure we probably all did and it just honestly it makes you want to tear your hair out but while many may stay away from the players that hurt them so much we're going to take a look at these guys and look if we should buy back into them while their value may be down remember the positive of these players struggling is we get good opportunities to buy back in for the 2022 redraft and dynasty leagues after we'll go to our bullpen for our question of the week who is your favorite video game player of all time could be fictional or real player and are the game of the week coming in to shut the door so if you guys are ready to get another episode started, then man, we're here to do it for you. Let's jump right in. Let's get into these headlines. And unless I was under a rock, the only thing I really saw, I know MLB is going to meet on Monday for potentially uh, for them to have a, a second meeting. I would like to address that after they have the meeting. So the only other relevant news that I saw was my heartthrob uh, when I was a young Twins fan. Francisco Liriano has announced his retirement during a, uh, a long career. 21 years old when he was with the Twins, and uh, the last time he towed the rubber was with the Pirates in 2019. You guys have any fond memories of Francisco Liriano? I'll hop in real quick. I mean, early on as a Detroit Tigers fan, I I mean, we had his best. I mean, he, he absolutely was amazing. 2006, 2007, until the injuries hit. And the Tigers even had him on the team for 2018, so shout out to that. But um I, was, I wasn't that mad when he had moved on. I'll say that as a Tigers fan, because he was absolutely incredible for those few years before the injuries got him. Yeah, I mean, he was. it was him and Verlander like came in around the same time, and they were seen as the, the two top arms coming up in baseball. And I was like, all right, well, you got Verlander, we got Liriano and Santana, y'all ain't going to stop us. And that dream ended pretty quick. 14 years in the big leagues. But uh, can you guys guess how many teams he played for? Seven. Five. I, I seven sounded right to me. Yeah, I think it was like more than more than you'd guess initially because he hung on towards the end as like a lefty reliever. I think he was on the Phillies at one point. Seven sounds right. It's six. So I think there were some minor league deals he took, or he was in AAA, never made the majors. But he was with the Twins, the Blue Jays, the White Sox, the Tigers, the Astros, and the Pirates. Now, I, I my bonus question for you guys: Do you remember the deal that got him to Minnesota? It's my favorite trade of all time. It's the Booth Bonzer 
Joe Nathan and Francisco Liriano for AJ Pruszynski in cash. All-time wow. heist that never gets talked about. That is an all-time heist. Yeah, it's a very few good trades that are done for the Twins here. But uh, that's pretty much it as far as, as headlines are concerned. Again, hopefully next week we'll have some more news about what's going on with the MLB negotiations. And uh, unless you guys have any other things you would like to talk about, we can dump right into injury bounce backs. And we got plenty of them to talk about. We're going to start at the top here with Max Scherzer, who, as I would like to also preface that this list was put together by Mr. Marty Tallman, who did a great job outlining not just the players, but also a little blurb about each and every single one of them that uh, made it really easy for me to be able to put stuff together here. So starting off with Max Scherzer. Now, is it more about the innings load last year that scared you off, the dead arm in the 2021 playoffs? Do you think all that stuff is behind him? Brennan, I'd like to start with you since you're the guest. What do you think? Yeah, so with Scherzer, I think when we think about Max Scherzer, we have to view him through the lens of this guy was already a free agent once before, like seven years ago, but that feels like a million years ago, just the way the world's gone the past few years. And he was already one of the best pitchers at that time, signed for the second most money a pitcher's ever received, and then he got even better. And he's still getting better, and that's the thing. I think he's your classic, you know, he's getting up there in age, about to be 38 years old, and it's easy to make a fade argument for him because he hasn't had that one shoulder injury or elbow injury that absolutely killed him. Right. It's just been a bunch of nagging. Oh, the groin popped up. Oh, the back. He's not going to make this postseason start. Oh wait. Yes, he is. And I think that with him, he didn't necessarily like end the season injured the dead arm thing. I'm willing to look past, but I think too much and too often in fantasy baseball, we only look at April and in April, I would fully expect Scherzer to be healthy, but just that the fact that he's getting older and with how aggressive he is as a pitcher, like it kind of seems like someone who it could go down quickly. So I'm I'm <laughs> I'm ultimately fine with him personally. I'm not taking a hard stance either way. But if Marty's you know putting him on this list, which I was kind of surprised to see him on an injury list, I'm wondering if he has a more hard stance to take. I will say this: um, ever right now he's ranked as my third overall pitcher, so I'm fully in on him. I like him at his ADP, um, but I think we need to curb our expectations. I think the days of consi- of seven eight innings are gone consistently i think it's going to be five six innings which is still fine he'll be able to get to you know 175 innings 180 innings the k's will be there the ratios will be fine um so yeah just more seeing just you got to think about that kind of stuff i mean he is getting up there in the age and seeing him not be himself at the time where he needed to be it was a little concerning so going into the season it's not going to affect this adp but it's something to think about it is interesting. I know Cheesecake, you also might have had some thoughts on Scherzer. Yeah, well, Scherzer, I think, is is um, he's part of this sort of small clump of pitchers that that are getting up there in age or coming off of injury that that still have that 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 ace level, elite level um, promise in their arms. You got Degrom, you got Scherzer, you got Bieber. I, I kind of put them together. Um, which is why for me, Scherzer has got to be below guys like Brandon Woodruff and even below someone like Zach Wheeler, because I just trust the health mm. in their arms a, a little bit more now about his dead arm. Dead arm is something that is, that is considered pretty common among pitchers. A lot of pitchers go through it in spring training. It's really common amongst mid mid and late career pitchers as well. So this is something that might come up again. It's not something that's serious. It's not a, it's a fatigue issue. Usually they shut him down for a few weeks. For me, I just go back to, Last season, his, his his 
production was amazing. It was all better than his career norms, and it was at 36 years old. Um, you can expect some regression, and I think you can also, you know, as as Air, uh, Doc was um, like to say before last season, he was a guy he was fading because he had been coming off of some inconsistent performance the last seasons before that. I think with age, you're going to en- end up having to deal with that. Last season was great, but it was also a contract year. And we have to remember that as well. So I think there's going to be a little bit of a, a downturn on him, but he's still one of my top seven seven guys or so. Is it a mistake to have Scherzer as your number one pitcher this year? Does anybody think that's a mistake? I yeah. do. Yeah. Well, as your as, as your ace on your staff, or like no, the, the the SP number the SP one. Yeah, oh, yeah that's, that's a little that's a little hot takey, but mm-hmm. okay, fair enough. It's fair also enough. it's also on the Mets. Let's remember that. That's true. All right, let's move to our next guy on this list. Alex Bregman. Now, remember, he had wrist surgery this offseason. Is there going to be any effects from that? Now, he just started his rehab. Could maybe impact his power. As we've seen, wrist injuries sap hitters from their power. It's something that's kind of some uh, people are thinking about when you're drafting him. He's slipping a little bit farther in drafts maybe than he normally would go. Uh, let me go back. I want to start off with you, Cheesecake, because, again, Bregman was, and it was someone that you were interested to talk about. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, Brennan, I want to hear your thoughts. Yeah, I think I think Bregman, when you when you – put him in context of his third base cohorts. I think he event, he, you have to look at him as appealing. Uh, his wrist surgery happened in November. He's just started resuming hitting in January 15th. So the ex- expectation is that he's ready to go uh, come spring training, whenever that may be last season, he was limited with quad injuries and hamstring injuries. Those are some things that might concern me as well. But I, I, I think when you look at, at, where Bregman's going among third baseman right now, he's about the eighth third baseman off the board behind guys like Adalberto Mondesi behind Chris Bryant. I think I'd actually start pushing him up because I think he's going to be healthy. He's only 27. Um, uh, so if, and, and he produces a good batting average in last season was a down season. He's still at 270. Uh, if he got full plate appearances, you'd have been looking at a pretty solid overall season, I, I like him above other third basemen that are going ahead of him right now. I'm I'm actually fine of him coming off injury. Brendan, are you feeling Alex Bregman as much as Cheesecake's heart throb in him right now? Yeah, I do agree with Cheesecake here. And I think with Bregman, it's through uh, two different factors. I think for me, with everything that's happened in MLB the past few years, changing of the ball, the, they keep changing the ball, they change the sticky stuff. I've gotten really into the macro level state of baseball. And when you look at recent seasons, 2019 jumps out as to me, the height of what I'm calling the juice ball era, which kind of began in the second half of 2015. And you look at a lot of players and their 2019 numbers, Bregman's a perfect example. His numbers went nuts. And I don't think we're ever going to see a 2019 from Bregman again. I think that was more a product of the environment of MLB at the time and less indicative of Bregman's true power output abilities. But on the other hand, he does make contact at a great rate and he takes so many walks that it gives him such a high floor. I think the wrist surgery from this offseason was a good thing because it kind of explains his struggles towards the end of the year. So as long as we're not expecting anything close to 2019 again, I do really like him as a bounce back because I think you're getting that injury discount. 
And like we kind of highlighted last week, excellent in points leaks because of how minimal that he strikes out. So you already have that there. And then anything else that he's going to give you, if he's anything close, again, maybe not expecting 2019 production, like you mentioned, Brendan, but just somebody that you know that you can plug in at the third base spot and not have to worry about in your lineup. Seems like he's a, a could be a good steady presence again this season. So I like where your guys' head's at with, with uh, Alex Bregman. I, I also just wanted to say, I think that he and Arenado are are real close for me. I might still take Arenado over Bregman, but I think that's more like where I'd be putting him around that range. Arenado is somebody going around what the fifth, sixth round in the most drafts around that range. Is it, I feel like that's kind of the last tier of third baseman that you can plug in your lineup and then you don't have to worry about it. You're not like looking at their production, worried about what they're doing. Do you guys think there's anybody going after them per se that you feel really confident at the third base position? Uh, Rendon, I, I, I still, I still would feel okay going him? with Rendon. Yeah, I, I think so. Without diving in uh, too much into who one of our guys we're going to talk about, Cabrian Hayes, baby. Oh, well, it's a teaser. That's professional podcasting from you, Marty. I, I don't have the energy to argue with Art about Rendon. Okay. Let's go to somebody that, on this list, let's be honest, Charlie Morton broke his right fibula. And normally, I don't think that would be something that would have us scared about somebody because that's nothing with their arm. It's nothing that you would expect to affect their pitching, especially when they let the bone heal. But he is 38 years old. So that's the key factor here. We don't see too many pitchers coming off an injury like that at this age. 38 years young, David. That's right. You're right. You're right. Factor in the fact that his current ADP is 98th overall, 37th pitcher off the board. So he's still a top 100 pick. Brennan, are you going to pay that price for Charlie Morton? I do think that in general, we should look at full season statistics as more of a predictor than partial season statistics. But unless you can identify something specific that changed. And with Charlie Morton, I think the biggest thing that changed is you look at his uh, fan graphs data and his pitch mix through June 11th, he was throwing his curve 33% of the time. He had a 450 ERA from that point on, he upped that usage to 39% of the time. And he had a 271 ERA. He's the exact type of pitcher we've seen. You hear talked about all the time, throw your best pitches more often. That's what he started doing when he broke out a few years ago. Then he kind of plateaued early the season and he doubled down on that strategy and just kept throwing that curve. I know he's getting older and he keeps scaring us because he's talking about retirement. He's entering his age 38 season, but his fastball velocity was the highest it's been since 2018. And he still has really elite spin on his curveball despite the sticky stuff ban. So I, I, the injury, I think you might maybe get a discount. I honestly kind of forgot that happened and it's, it's a leg of, it's not ideal, but I'd rather that than, you know, a shoulder issue or something like that. Pitched 185 innings last year, which is pretty incredible. Let me ask you guys this, food for thought. Is he the Nelson Cruz of pitchers? Yes, but you didn't come up with that. I, I swear to, I've never seen that before. That, Somebody that, tweeted it out yesterday. I've, I swear to God, I've never I saw it. I, it was tweeted. I don't know who did it, but I saw it. Oh my God. I thought that was creative. I, I swear I did not. See I mean, that. I, I believe you, you're creative, but it's just, you're not original. Uh, yeah, I guess. Uh, <laughs> shout out to whoever came up with that yesterday. Cause that, that's pretty good thing. Now, David, you can't go out and tweet it. Like it's your own original idea. Yeah, I, I'm going to find you. I'm going to find who tweeted that. And I'm going to be like, great minds think alike. That's what I'm going to do. Okay. Blocks. Okay. You. Next guy. Let's get on this list here. DJ LeMayu who's had core muscle surgery to address a sports hernia he was dealing with during the season, also had a tricep strain, looked nothing 
like the player we saw the year before. And I think people as such are, are kind of scared besides the position flexibility that he had been offering you. The power that we saw, the career high power that he had was completely gone. Did not look like nearly the same hitter again. This is somebody when his name has come up a lot more. I've seen people fading him because it's not like his draft price is super cheap right now. So, Doc, I want to get you in here. Why don't you give us your thoughts about DJ LeMay and then, Brendan, anything that you would like to add as well? Yeah, well, for NFBC, his ADP right now is 111. A min pick of 65, which is too rich for me, but a max of 175. So you talked about the positional flexibility, first, second, third base. And you had mentioned that core surgery uh, he had in October. So uh, what I think people need to do is not look at 2019 for the power numbers. 26 home runs, that's an anomaly in his career. What he's going to do is going to give you 10 to 15. Now, a lot of people were scared from the average because he hit 268 last year, but I'm going to go and tell you his averages from the previous seasons before 364, 327, 276, 310, 348, 301. He's a great contact hitter. Great contact hitter. He has uh, in 2021 was actually the highest walk percentage of his career. And he has a 14.6% K rate. So figure he hits atop the Yankee lineup first or second. Maybe he'll give you five to seven stolen bases, but he'll get a lot of runs because he's going to be on base. So once again, don't draft him because you're chasing power. You think that he'll give you that 2019 year, but draft him for 10 to 15 homers, a 300-ish average, and a solid source of runs and even more valuable in a points league. Yeah, so I'm looking at uh, LeMahieu right now and – this is just oops, just this is just since um uh, December twenty sixth because there's been I believe if I'm not mistaken there's been sixty three drafts since December twenty sixth the so drafts are picking up a lot more obviously um while I, I pull up just some first baseman around him uh, Brennan what are your thoughts on DJ Mayhew? Yeah, Doc, I really like that point you made about him being in the Yankee lineup because to me, like, that's a huge plus for him, especially we'll have to see how the batting order shakes out, you know, once the season starts and everything. But he is in position to score a boatload of runs and, you know, who knows where they hit him, but he could deliver a bunch of RBIs as well. I think LeMayhew, and I, I like the power point you made as well because I think he's similar to Bregman. His numbers got inflated by that mega-juiced ball we saw in 2019. I do think, again, with the injury and everything, he ran a bit cold last year as well. He slugged 362, but baseball savant pegged him for a 391 expected slug. That's just, you know, it's a little thing, another reason to possibly buy back in on him. And just think about where we were drafting this guy uh, entering this past season. Like he Mm -hmm. was a top three, four round pick, I think. So uh, again, I fully agree. Let's not expect the power. But sometimes we overlook, you know, things like batting average and runs, especially late in drafts. And I think he could, you know, give you a lot of that. And then if that X slug stat corrects itself, you know, there's upside for a little more uh, production as well. So DJ LeMahieu right now is going at pick 109 since December 26 with a 110 ADP. So let me give you guys, you tell me one or the other. Anthony Rendon, who goes three picks ahead of him or DJ LeMahieu? Rendon. Rendon. I like them both. I'll take Rendon. I'll take Rendon, but I hate saying that. (laughs) All right. DJ LeMayhew or the guy that goes after him three picks later, Jared Walsh. LeMayhew. LeMayhew. Yeah, LeMayhew. That one's not close to me. I think so. Yeah. Let's sweep that. Oh, okay. 
I'll give you one more. How about a player that's going a little bit more farther down than him? This is for you, Marty. DJ LeMayhew or Cabrian Hayes at pick 140? Cabrian Hayes, next question. Steals alone. I'll get into it. Can I get into it? Are we almost to him? Is he next? Oh, we're getting there. We're getting there. All right. Gosh. I'll go Cabrian Hayes because you can get him later, but production-wise, LeMayhew. Yeah, if we're going straight up, I'll take LeMayhew. Yeah, the position flexibility of LeMayhew is so valuable. I like that a lot. He's first, second, and third, I think, on NFBC. He is, yes. So no, we got we got to split one, which is what I was looking for. Okay. I will tease it no longer. You go ahead and you can talk about your your crush, your man crush Monday, Cabrian Thank Hayes. You. The wrist injury sapped power for 2021, so his draft stock is a little bit farther down, and uh, looks like he's ready to take the league by storm, according to you, in 2022. He absolutely is, and we talked about Bregman, right? So, and I'm I'm more afraid of Bregman's wrist surgery. I mean, it's going to take a while for him to get full strength in that thing. We saw that with Cabrian Hayes last year with him hurting his wrist, and he wasn't able to really ever get his power back. But let's look. We're going to combine last year and his rookie season because that's 120 games, so that's almost a full season there. So he, over that time, uh, Cabrian Hayes has 11 home runs. 10 steals, batting 280 with a 340 OBP. So where I see him now, and what's, uh, and shout out to Ariel Cohen. He came out with the ATC projections. We got him. We're good to go. These are my favorite ones to look at. I'm waiting for the bad X, though. Um, but um, so they have him. Let's see. ATC has him with 16 home runs and 13 steals, batting 269 and a 337 OBP. 62 RBIs and uh, 79 runs. Now, where you're getting him currently, I absolutely love that. And I, I don't see anyone that's going to be able to give you a good batting average, give you double-digit home runs, double-digit steals at third base at a discount at this point. Yeah, I mean, the steals are definitely something that are just appealing in itself, but also at a position in third base that gets scarce really quick outside what we were kind of talking about earlier. And he's going to be a fixture in that offense that, lacking a lot of other pieces so you don't have to worry he's about 24 him. years old we don't know we don't know what the ceiling is that left side of the infield him and o'neill cruz man that's mm-hmm. a or a bad team that's a pretty exciting left side yep. of the infield now brendan i'm sure your excitement for mr hayes is nowhere near mr tallman's but is it in the same ballpark and during last year he was one of my guys like my two biggest guys i went into last season with was vlad and cabrian hayes so i went one for two so i'll take it the way it worked out with vlad but i think with hayes i do think we probably myself included got a bit carried away from the small sample at the end of 2020 i did buy into again just like following prospects a lot being really into that side of fantasy baseball i do buy into he really improved as a hitter for so long it was like he's a great glove great third baseman and he really improved as a hitter by the time he reached the majors i complete i don't even look at his stats for this past season i was following his wrist injury so closely at one point it was going to be season ending all of a sudden he was back he was gonna get surgery then again he tried to play through it for a little i don't look at his stats one little bit i agree with you we don't know what he is yet the price i wish it was even cheaper so i'm not going full all the way in like I was last year, but but I do really like him. But but I'll give Marty if, if Marty wants to take you know the president of the Brian Hayes fan club right now. I'll give him that. I'll fly the flag. So if we burn, it'll, <laughs> it'll be me. <laughs> I like it. All right, 
Let's talk about another polarizing name, Blake Snell, who the adductor strain kept him out the last month, but he was on a roll before the injury. And it seems like to me, he finally was listening to analytics and stopped being really stubborn because when he stopped throwing the change up and started throwing actually what worked, it's he completely flipped everything around. And he's someone I'm really high on. Actually, I have him as SP14 right now, which I haven't seen anybody have him as quite as high as I do. I think what we saw at the end was actually real. And you're going to get him at a really nice discount right now. Somebody that has shown you in the past, you know, obviously winning the Cy Young and before last season had really still been someone you could trust for double digit strikeouts. And even though he wasn't giving you as many innings as you might want from an ace, the value you're getting him now, uh, it, you can have him as your, like your SP3 and you're golden in my eyes. So I, I love him this year. Brennan, what do you think? I think you and I were tweeting about him a couple weeks ago, maybe it was, because you were on him. And I haven't seen a lot of people be on him as much as you are. And I like him as well. Again, I do want to give the caveat that, you know, the full season stats, you know, all that stuff are more predictive. And it's it's unfair to just, you know, pick out, oh, here's these eight starts. But again, unless you can find a reason, his first 19 starts of the year, he had a 544 ERA. He was throwing his change up 14.5% of the time. His last eight starts, it was 183 ERA, 294 XFIP, and he completely abandoned the changeup. He threw it less than 1% mm-hmm. of the time. So that's enough of a reason that I can point to and say this is why the breakout happened. It wasn't just variance. It wasn't just luck. His walk rate during that eight-start stretch was lower than when he won the Cy Young. I think a lot of people are going to look at his season-long stats and say, oh, this is gross. He's burned a lot of people before, I think. That'll keep, you know, managers off of him. And then again, he had the injury that kind of slowed down that breakout. But you and I saw it, Dave, and we saw what was going on with Blake Snell. So uh, I do think he's someone to be in on, especially if you don't have to pay too much of uh, of a tax for the eight starts we saw. Yeah, I'm looking right now. It says NFBC ADP. He's gone up a little bit, I believe, since uh, about a month ago. But he's going around pick 115. So he actually is in that same range. But here's some guys that are going around him. So Shane McClanahan, obviously, uh, that's a polarizing player in itself. Uh, I'm looking for starting pitchers, not necessarily relievers. But Tyler Molly, uh, Molly, Pablo Lopez, like uh, Carlos Rodon, uh, unfortunately. uh, Rodon, but he's Rodon. Uh, Zach Gallon's an interesting player. But he's in an interesting range. Like, you know, I, I like where he's going. He's going after pick a hundred. I, I think that's a, a great value for him. And yeah, hopefully we're not in too many drafts together, Brennan, because I think we're we'll be <laughs> fighting to get some fake snow there. The biggest thing I want to caution, I don't want to see you getting too carried away with this either, is like I don't think we can just take those eight starts and extrapolate that over, right. you know, a full season and say this is what's gonna happen. There's gonna be a little bit of regression baked in. But I play in some competitive 12 team leagues as well. I know NFBC is is always 15, but I play in some competitive 12 team leagues. He was on the waiver wire, you know, in the middle of the summer, and I was like, I'm not even I, I wasn't even considering him. But then my buddy picked him up and then he went off, and that's why I know what happened because uh, I was sitting there agonizing wishing it was me who had picked him up oh my god that's the worst uh, <laughs> so i will say so right now atc projections again shout out ariel Cohen for putting those out today they project him for a, a 3-8 era uh, just under 11 k's per nine and 144 innings i mean that plays and even a, a sub four era with almost 11 k's per nine and get maybe gives you around 150 innings uh, i mean i will take that after pick 100 for sure no doubt. 
Uh, I, I think, you know, you'll, you'll see a better Blake Snell this year. But like you said, don't get carried away in the sense of just because of what we saw at the end of last season, that that's going to be the entire way this season. I think the way that they have the projections here, both Steamer and ATC have him around a 3738 ERA. I think that's pretty fair. So I, I like that. Let's go to the next guy here and let's talk about Pablo Lopez, who we just mentioned had an abductor strain that kept him out since the first week of July. Now, was his 307 ERA sustainable? Is it somebody that you're very excited about here? Brendan, what do you think? I think Pablo Lopez is really interesting. He has a 307 ERA, a 35 X ERA, and a 332 X FIP. So that all kind of lines up. That makes me buy into that's an ERA range that he can live in moving forward. I also like that he did return to pitch on the final day of the season. It was only one and two thirds innings, but I just like that he made it back. And hopefully that's a sign that he'll have a normal off season. I think Pablo Lopez is going to live in that. Like if, if, if everything goes the way we want it to, I think he's like, like that perfect SP two SP three. Again, if he takes one more step, he's slowly improving. His strikeout rate is up from 20.3% to 24.6 to 27.5 since 2019. So again, he he's not an ace. I don't think we should ever expect, you know, top 12 expect top 12 production, but I do kind of think he's that perfect SP2, SP3. Nothing crazy. He's not going to win you your league, but he looks to me like a good bet to outperform his ADP. Very stable, right? Somebody that you think as long as he doesn't get hurt is going to be exactly what you want from him. Again, like you said, not a league winner but it's somebody that you're going to want either in the middle or back end of your rotation. And you're going to be able to rely on him week in and week out, except for those. I believe he has what one or two and, and doc. I know this is something you documented. He has like those one or two huge blow up games where he'll go like one inning, give up eight earned runs against the Marlins or against the, like the Mets or something like yeah, that. No, a Pablo Lopez line is three innings, nine hits, nine earned two K's versus the Mets. Like it's, <laughs> and it, I swear it's always against the Mets. Or it was it? I thought it might have been the Braves. That it was it's no, one of those against the Braves last year. He got kicked out after one pitch when he accidentally hit Acuna on the first pitch oh, of the game. Okay. Do you remember that? Yeah, I do remember. Yeah, that. And didn't he get the loss? Didn't he get the loss because he put him I, on base? <laughs> I don't remember. I just remember he got kicked uh, after it. And uh, John Boy has a great video of Mattingly going nuts about it. It's it's really good. <laughs> Oh boy, that's fantastic. Pablo Lopez should be safe outside the, the one or two blow up outings, but uh, yeah, he's somebody that you should draft with and, and you know what you're going to get from him, which is good. But on the other end of the spectrum, there's a player that I don't know if we know what we're going to expect, and that's Carlos Rodon. Perpetual arm soreness, diminished velocity on his fastball. You saw at the end of the year kind of was really struggling to be the pitcher that we saw earlier in 2021. We're obviously unsigned right now, but the thing that scares me is the White Sox didn't bring him back. And the, the White Sox not bringing him, you could be like, oh, they have Michael Kopech there. They have some arms that could step in the rotation. But if he was as good last year as he as he was, why would you not try to bring him back on it? You know, and even if it's a short term deal, why would you not look like you're invested to sign him? That says to me that there's some potential trouble with him and, and injury that he they're kind of hiding out a little bit here. So I'm, I'm curious, Brendan, we can we don't have to spend too long on Rodon. But is there a, how confident do you feel, especially for the fact that I believe, if I'm not mistaken, he is going, yes, pick 133 on average. Uh, minimum of 99, high of 202. Very big range for him. 
Yeah, so Radon kind of sucks to talk about because, again, he could just get hurt and miss like four months, and then it's like I was touting him, but then he got hurt. The only mm-hmm. case that I will make with Rodon is that he was really good, and the expected stats, all the underlying stats backed it up. If you buy into the White Sox, they've done with that core velocity belt that helped Lucas Giolito mm-hmm. break out. It's like there was reasons for his breakout, and it was legit in every sense of the word. So if anyone pushed back on that, I would go to bat. For Rodon, I honestly just look at it as in some, I mean, fantasy baseball, it's like not gambling, but it's like drafting Rodon feels like you're gambling a bit. And it's just like, how lucky do you feel? Because there's, you know, realities. I don't know if you guys are Marvel fans, but if you think of, uh, you know, the multiverse and all these different timelines, there's a lot of timelines where next year Rodon stays healthy for the full six months and he's amazing. And there's also probably timelines where he makes, you know, five, six starts and that's it. So He's a gamble, but he's good. When he's on the mound, I believe that he has broken out and that he's good. <laughs> yeah. Uh, okay. Tell me if this comparison has been made. Uh, hopefully it has not. Is he this year's Denelson Lamette? Could be. Mm, making you think a little bit, right? I mean, his draft price, it's a little scary. and But we know if he's out there, what he's going to give you, at least with that core velocity belt. I did hear someone mention this the other day. I forgot which podcast, so I'm sorry if I don't give the proper credit. But someone made the comment. They said, everybody, including myself, the people that hyped up Dylan Cease. Dylan Cease was my guy last year. I put him as a top 30 starter for the core velocity belt reasons and research I did on him. And they said, why would you not have thought they would have done the same thing with Carlos Rodon? Why would you think it would only have applied to Dylan Cease and not to him? And I was like, that's so ridiculously smart. And for the people that had that thought process and took Rodon late, like they benefited it. And it's something I wish that I had thought of when I just was hyping up Cease and didn't even think about Rodon. So stuff like that. Sometimes if you just look at if hey, if this guy's making a change on this pitching staff, especially following the example of somebody else on that pitching staff, then it, probably showing it to multiple guys. So you, you got to keep your mind open that you can't just fixate on one guy if they're doing a universal thing to a pitching staff, they bring in a, a coach that has a good track record of something. You got to make sure that you do the due diligence to make sure to see if all pitchers are buying in. And uh, that's a great example of that. We'll move through these next ones a little more quicker here. Clayton Kershaw, is he going to be ready for 2022? ADP of 188. Didn't pitch in the playoffs because of the arm soreness, but he avoided surgery. Doc, are you taking Steven Strasburg this year? Or, no, <laughs> Clayton, it's another guy we're going to talk about. Clayton Kershaw. No, I mean, right now, ADP of 178, min of 68, max of 286. So last season, 121.2 innings pitched, lowest in a full season since 08, 355 ERA, which is the highest since 08. Those aren't awful numbers, but obviously not Clayton Kershaw. Look at the second half ERA, which was 4.7. And you look, and his numbers dipped in terms of his fastball velocity from 91.6 to 90.6 miles per hour. I mean, he's a three-pitch pitcher. He throws that. He throws his curve, which is ridiculously nasty, and his slider. Um, he had a PRP injection October 8th, and that's the in his left elbow, which is the same one that plagued him uh, three months earlier in the season. So you just know he's going to be on multiple IL stints. If you don't want to waste a bench spot and you know worry about the – even if you take him in a later pick, like you're going to be rostering him when he's not fully healthy. I would just – Leave it for somebody else. Give that headache. Yeah, I mean, it, it's going to be interesting. It's either the, the Dodgers or the Rangers, from what I've been hearing, if, if he gets an offer. And keep in mind, wasn't there like a TikTok that Justin Turner did where he like hinted that Clayton Kershaw was going to retire after the season? I did remember hearing something about that. 
I'm yeah, I'm not drafting Clayton Kershaw myself. Uh, I don't know, Brennan. Are you uh, interested in Clayton Kershaw? I only think of him. Doc said it like perfectly well. There's no reason to be excited. My my only counter would be that every person who plays fantasy baseball is probably going to think about it that way. And if it ever reached a point where it got you know so ridiculously late, but I mean. Uh, whereas Rodon, I was going to bat where he was, you know, still really good and injuries, who knows? Like Kershaw, I do think like he's showing some slippage in terms of his actual skill set and not just injuries. So I'm not going to bat for Kershaw on this. Yeah, I think that's the risk we all recognize there. Uh, well, the peek behind the curtain, we all supposed to put our, our guys in the show sheet before ahead of time. <laughs> Doc and Art put their three guys in that they wanted to make sure they touched on. Marty leaves it blank. And we'll skip over Pablo Lopez he wanted to talk about. So he lost the privilege to add to the Pablo. Well, that's what I mean. And that's why I didn't say anything. Tuma did such a great job on that. That was all good on that. And the one thing I wanted to say, and you guys kind of did touch on it. And by the way, I came up with all of these and I put it into the chat, you know, the text. Which yeah. And you got cankles. And I have those too. So give me a break, damn it. But anyway, um, so yeah. So Pablo Lopez, it means who would you rather have out of these guys? Would you rather have Blake Snell, Tyler Malley, Pablo Lopez or Carlos Rodon? Pablo I'll take the Lopez. first two. It's or Lopez. how about this? How about we wait another round and a half and get Zach Gallon? You know what I mean? Like, like what are we talking yeah. about? So <laughs> I, I'm out on Pablo Lopez. Uh, my next guy is uh, R- Ramon Laureano. So I can talk about him if you'd like, David. It's up to you. I would like <laughs> you to. It's been a while okay. since we heard from you. <laughs> so, yeah. So Ramon Laureano had a, an interesting year last year. So, in the first month of the season, first 30 days of the season, he had eight stolen bases, and it was absolutely incredible. I thought he was for sure going to steal at least 20 bases. Um, he didn't steal another base until July. Now, he also had eight home runs in that time um, over the first month or two. So within the first two months of the season, he had eight home runs, eight steals. From there, we all know that he got popped for PEDs. And eventually he got um, uh, he went underwent core surgery to address sports hernia. So long story short, for 2022, I believe he's going to be a really good bounce back guy. I mean, you're getting him so far back. His ADP is at 227 right now. ATC projects him to hit 20 home runs and steal 30 bases and batting 253. No one in that area outside of maybe Joe Adele, if you're feeling really lucky, is going to be able to get you double-digit home runs, double-digit steals. And he's going to do it at the top of that lineup, the A's lineup, which isn't great, but, I mean, he's going to be batting first, second. He's going to get a lot of runs as well. So I'm really excited for him and his ADP. Didn't he have, like, six stolen bases in the first week and then, like, six the rest of the season? No, he had eight in the first month. Okay. Yeah, and then he finished with 11, but he he had sports turning Maybe that was part of it. Maybe he took PEDs just to stay on the field. So you cool with cheaters is what you're saying. The PEDs aren't cheating. It is what it is. Yeah. Well, I will also add that he's got a good chance to, to stay in there. I wouldn't affect even if he has bad performance. Right now, their outfield is projected to be Chad Pinder and Stephen Piscotty and him as starters. So it's not like right. they have a murderous row of outfielders ready yeah, to well, take He's your guy. I'm a Stephen Piscotty guy, okay? <laughs> no, I mean, he's like a one year away from probably being out of the league. I'm sure one or two years he, away. I, I hope he proves you wrong. Brennan, any thought on Ramon Laureano? I think Marty said it really well. You know, he seems like a classic uh, undervalued guy who, again, there's nothing like super sexy about Laureano. He plays in Oakland, uh, but the projections, you know, and he's going to miss one month of the season, not to cut you off. But I didn't say that he's going to miss one month, the first month. So that's a caveat. Sorry, go ahead. Fair enough. 
We got three pitchers we're going to finish this out with, starting with Thor, Noah Syndergaard, right now going around pick 216. Again, this is for my ADP since December 26, about 63 drafts. He's uh, the third Halo listed on the starting rotation, uh, but he's the one that I'm most concerned about right now. He finished the 21 season pitching just a couple innings, only two innings pitched after missing all of 2020. Obviously, of course, the Tommy John surgery, all the setbacks. There Obviously, it's not a huge risk taking him where he is, but there are pitchers in the range that he's going that I like. Patrick Sandoval's right there. Uh, I like uh, Jordan Montgomery is right in that range. Then you have position players like O'Neill Cruz, and you have, uh, who else is there? David Bednar expects that to close for the the Pirates. Seiya Suzuki is a very interesting prospect or guy coming over, an outfielder if he gets signed. So there, it's not like this is just like a bunch of, of duds in this range. So you do have to pay still to get him. So, Brendan, my thought is, again, Syndergaard might be as big an injury risk as anybody on this list. What do you think? Are you going to spend the near 280p pick on him? I mean, among the names you just had him going around, I'm like Patrick Sandoval, you said was in there. I, I love Patrick Sandoval. Uh, so he is definitely one that I would take over Syndergaard specifically. Looking at Noah Syndergaard's career, he's been really good when he's pitched. He has a 332 career ERA. That's pretty amazing in 718 mm-hmm. innings. He's allowed less than a homer per nine innings. It's the second lowest rate in the league since he entered Major League Baseball. So I like those. I like his skills. He, he's always just so frustrating. You think he should be better than he is. He can't hold runners on base. It seems like if he doesn't have his best stuff, he completely falls apart. He's been so frustrating for so long in, in ways like that. And then again, like we haven't seen him really either the past two years. So uh, I don't have a strong take one way or the other, just not someone I'm, you know, particularly interested on. And again, there might be a, there might be a pretty big innings limit. Who's, who's to say how often he's going to pitch. Plus they have Otani in the whole six man rotation thing. So Mm a lot of, a lot of red flags, I think. Just looking at from picks inside, just after pick 200, he's going around pick 216. These are the guys that are going in that range. My heartthrob, my like my pitcher that I'm tying my name to this offseason, Tanner Houck going around 201. You have Hinjin Ryu going around 202. Joe Ryan, Jose Urquidy, Anthony DiScofani, Patrick Sandoval, uh, all starters that are going just in front of Noah Syndergaard. So, and then you have Jaymont going right after him, Alex Wood. Uh, I mean, again, it's just a bunch of guys here that I'm, I would have all day over Noah Sinder. I don't think I'll have any of him unless he severely slides, which he could. He's his uh, max pick is 311, but yeah, not, not in that range right now with those guys. Last two here real quick. Let's start out with Steven Strasburg. Obviously missed a ton of last year. Next Ooh, David, 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 call on me, call on me. You go ahead. All right. Um, I'm going to say it's the worst contract in MLB history. It's the seventh largest for a free agent at seven years, 245 million. Now his first two years, he's pitched 26.2 innings and he's a five, eight, four ERA. He has five years, 175 million left. So, you know, 2019, it was his contract year and he threw 209, which was the most in the majors. Congrats, Steven Strasburg. I gave you a compliment there. So he's likely going to have an innings limit. Um, if he pitches at all, at all, maybe the Nationals sit him for two years with the hope that he's healthy by age 36. Elbow, lat, forearm, forearm injuries last year. You name it, he probably had it. 
Scott Boris, you just finesse the Nationals. Past performance is not indicative of future success. The Nationals were simps. They gave him an awful contract. And I mean, gosh, they're going to have to eat it. Okay. Yeah. I don't think we can say too many things positive about him right now. But I got let's everything ask off this. my chest. Sixto Sanchez is the only one we have not mentioned yet. Mm-hmm. Out of the people mentioned today, top three that will win you your league. What do you guys think? That's a very interesting question from I, Robert here. Brian I, Hayes, yeah, Hayes, because his his draft price is low and his potential is very high. I'm like Snell? Brian. Yeah, no, I don't think so. I'll go Brian Snell. Yeah, I'll go Cabrian Bregman and Charlie Morton. That's strong. Yeah, I like Cabrian. I like Snell definitely, and Pablo Lopez. Any? Other I was going to say yeah. I was going to say, give me the floor of Pablo Lopez plus the Carlos Radon in the universe mm. where everything works out. And then I really like Bregman. I really like the floor ceiling combo of Bregman, his skill sets. Like he, he makes contact and he gets on base. Like that's yeah. going to play, you know, as long as he's healthy and no matter what's going on with the ball, like that's going to play. Yeah, I think that's a pretty solid list of about what, like six guys, six or so of the mm-hmm. 13 that we're talking about that I think we all feel decently safe about. I'm not saying we all agree on the, the three per se, but around that list of guys. Cheesecake, just really quickly wrap this up for us. Give us your thoughts on Sixto Sanchez. Well, I'm just going to tell you why Sixto is someone I'm fading right now. He's currently going around pick 336. He had July surgery to repair a capsular tear and clean out the backside of his shoulder. Typical recovery time based upon a 2014 study I Googled is about 13 months. Eight to 18 months is the range on repair of a capsular tear recovery for MLB pitchers. So it is like you couldn't be, he could be out till August. He might not be back pitching until August this year coming up. But also um, uh, Craig Mish was on our boy Peter's Locked On Marlins podcast talking about Sixto, talking about there's some tension building between Sixto and the Marlins. He's not sticking to their recovery plan. And also he has a little bit of bad blood because he got injured at the alternate training site. Uh, his first session in the alternate training site after spring training last year and he felt like he should have been with the team and he felt like they were playing games and he might not have been injured. So I think that, you know, the combination of the bad blood between Sixto and the Marlins, the fact that he's not following their training plan and doing his own thing, and the fact that this type of injury just has a long recovery time tells me that I'm going to go in a different direction when he's coming up. You're a detective. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, no, that was a good uh, a good plug for our guy, uh, Peter Pratt's podcast too. Make sure you check that out, anything Marlins. All right, let's get now to, again, what makes Triple Play Fantasy the podcast that you want to hear. Starting off with our question of the week. Question of the week is sponsored by Monkey Knife Fight. Triple Play Fantasy is an official affiliate to Monkey Knife Fight, the fastest growing sports betting site in the United States. New depositors receive a 100% instant deposit match up to $100 using promo code TRIPLEPLAY. And also, I didn't plug it earlier, but make sure you're checking out all the great stuff we put out. Basketball, football, baseball, all the content from all three sports coming out every day. We've got like two to three videos a day going out on the YouTube channel. Tons of people here. we got like 25 people cranking out stuff all day and night here at Triple Play. Tons of great guests, tons of great content. So check out all this, the stuff going on here. All right. Our question this week, who is your favorite video game baseball player of all time? Again, it could be fictional or it could be a real player in the game. Now, Doc came up with this question. I said, why don't you just 
feed the question on a silver spoon to Brendan because he literally has the answer right there. Uh, but I, I would like to know why is he your guy? Yeah, again, such a such a good question, such a good topic. I talk about baseball video games for an entire podcast uh, in all seriousness. But yeah, for me, it's Pablo. And I played back at baseball 2001 growing up. I think anyone around my age, I'm 28, who did the same. It was just like really that like sweet spot of like, playing video games on the computer was like such a thing to look forward to. I think for me, what I loved about backyard baseball was like so simple, you know, it was just kind of like point and click, but it's kids, but you're playing in the backyard. So it was relatable. And it was like, it was actually really progressive for the time. Like they made 30 new characters. It was 15 guys, 15 girls, all different, you know, ethnicities involved. And Pablo himself is, you know, he doesn't look what, like what you'd think the best player would look like. He's, uh, you know, shorter. He's a little chubby even. He's got that gut. And, yeah, so I don't know. Backer Base was such a special game to me for so many reasons. Fun fact, the game was developed uh, by Humongous Entertainment Sports, which was based in Seattle. No one working on the game knew much about baseball, but that was during that crazy 95 or like mid nineties era of Mariners baseball and Pablo's swing is modeled after Edgar Martinez. You can kind of see it. He has that like closed toe and the way he swings the bat. Ever since I heard that, that that was true. When I watched Pablo swing, it just like really sticks out to me. I love that that little fact. (laughs) I'm really glad that I'm really glad that you liked that question because some people weren't a fan of it at the beginning of the week. I could we could talk about baseball video games all like we could have done this whole show on the history of baseball video games all these different ones throughout the years like I I love video games (laughs) oh yeah I mean Doc have you played backyard baseball I played it once you're we're Doc and I are huge MVP baseball 2005 fans like Best video game of all time. I, I could have talked about games. John Dowd in a similar fashion. Yeah, that would have that was yeah, I mean that was gonna be my guy ultimately, uh that we didn't get to. Uh or that I, I feel like it was a pretty obvious second one. Uh, that's your favorite one, David? No, I mean, yeah, I mean Calvin agrees with it. John Dowd, of course. Like you he, did mean, not you did not use him. He's he's the fake Barry Bonds. And, like who who does it like they made him a different ethnicity. They gave him a completely different name. Like, how is that not like your go-to? But I, you and I played a lot, and I remember that you did not use him. I mean, I didn't use him, but he was still cool. I don't know if you guys play the show. I'm not a huge fan of the show. I played a little bit, but I could. They could just put new, like, update all the players and stadiums on MVP05, and I would have more enjoyment out of that than the current era of the show. And I think I don't even think that's just a nostalgia thing. Like MVP 05 was so far ahead of its time. And again, it's a little more simple. I don't need the most realistic pitches and everything like MVP 05. It was the right mix of being realistic enough, but it was also just like it had the simplicity factor. Brendan, there was um, this was probably a couple of years ago. Somebody was selling rosters. Like they did, like they made all new players or like all players today, like Rendon, Mike Trout, Otani. And it was like 130 bucks to get that memory card shipped to you so that you could play with the players. And he did like a breakdown of everything. I remember that. Uh, Doc, who's your pick? Uh, So I'm going to go with Mario Baseball and I'm going with Yoshi. Now, if you didn't play this for GameCube, it's because of what he does in the outfield to make a catch. Well, think of him as like Cedric Mullins, Cedric Mullins. A power speed combo. Lefty can hit a leadoff home run, but 
he can also get a slap single, get you on base. He has an egg special where if you use it, the ball bounces around. It's really tough for the fielder. And like mm-hmm. David said in the outfield, he uses his tongue and just catches anything within, within vicinity. So five-tool player, the number one pick in Mario Baseball, and the number one choice for me in this question. That's a really good answer. I will say, I don't know if he's the first pick. but He's that's not a, a really captain. Good... He's not a captain. But when you when you start picking people. But the one thing with Yoshi, though, is if you use the tongue and you miss, he, like, freezes for, he, like, takes a second to put it back in his mouth and freezes. Nobody has, a, nobody has 100 fielding percentage, but I feel like that Mullins comparison was good. Oh, no, it, it's good. And it was a, I didn't even think about Mario Baseball. That's a, all right, Brendan, if you've never played Mario Baseball, I hope you have. Have you? We, I have my buddies, we have, like, these Mario nights where you do Mario Party, Mario Baseball, Mario Kart, like, you know, once oh, every couple months. Wow. So good. Yeah, uh, I, 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 uh, did we just we, become I've best only, friends? <laughs> I've only played it on the Wii, though. I've never played the GameCube version. I've only played the Wii version. The GameCube one's so much better. So I assume much it's better. similar, but <laughs> yeah, it's it's awesome. Uh, our one of our favorite games from definitely when we were growing up it was awesome. Marty, what's your pick? Yeah, so mine's going to be back in 1995, if uh, some of our listeners can remember that far back. There was a game called Frank Thomas Big Hurt Baseball on the old Sega. So, um, And Frank Thomas was my favorite player at the time. Um, big, huge dude, dressed in all black. He was, on the, he was the cover athlete. And at that time, you could trade players, keep all of your stats, you could save, you could even change the names. I remember taking the names of each team and changing them into a city that was close to me. So as if it was like a Little League World Series kind of thing. And um, I played it out. But yeah, uh, probably not too many people remember that game. But for the time, it was absolutely incredible. Big Hurt, I didn't even know that existed. It did. 1995. I'll have to look up the. I like looking up the, the soundtracks for these games. Do you guys do that too? That, Dude, there was no the soundtracks. MV- <laughs> <laughs> that's part of the uh, the love for MVP05 is, mm-hmm. is the soundtracks from those games. Oh yes, they're they're awesome. All right, cheesecake. I'm interested to hear your answer. Ken Griffey Jr. from Ken Griffey Jr. Baseball. They got it was it was Super Nintendo trying to get Ken Griffey, Griffey Jr. swing. You always know if you hit a home run because the, the camera would just zoom right to the outfield. So you'd know if you made contact if you hit a home run. And Griffey was the best. Obviously, the game was named after him, and he was the best player, just about the best player in baseball at the time. Uh, but uh yeah, me and my boys growing up, Ken Griffey Jr. baseball, that was our game. All right. I I Again, I've seen it before. I actually never played it, uh, but I'm sure, especially when him being in his prime at that time, it was just one of the better games to play for sure. But uh, you got me nostalgic. Now we got to get competitive because now it is time for our game of the week. All right. Our game of the week is hosted by the doc. And, uh, oh, the, uh, I love the Ken Griffey baseball. Yeah. I've, Cal's a, a big baseball guy for those that don't know him. So I, I have no doubt. I trust his baseball opinion on these video games. So I'm sure it's it's a great video game. But all right, Doc, you're hosting our game of the week. What are we playing this week? So a lot of times, and we did it today, we compare people to one another. or We compare people of similar eras. So what I've done is there's going to be six categories here, and I'm going to compare two players. So this isn't an example, but I'll say like, 
Francisco Liriano and Johan Santana. And I'm going to give you three stats and you have to tell me who has more between that. So I'd say like wins, career wins, career strikeouts, win, you know, career complete games. So we're going to start with Marty, then Art, then David, then Brendan, and we'll switch it up. There's a possible 18 points that you can get. And then I have a couple tiebreakers. Sound good? All right. So the first two players we're comparing are Miguel Cabrera and Albert Pujols. So the three categories are hits, triples, and stolen bases. So, Marty, you're first. Uh, hits, uh, Pujols. Mm-hmm. Steals, Pujols. What was the middle one? Triples? Triples. Pujols. Clean sweep. Okay. Art? Uh, I'm going to say Pujols has hits. Triples and stolen bases are Cabrera. Okay. David? Uh, triples are Cabrera. The other two are Pujols. Okay. And Brendan? I'll say hits and triples Cabrera steals Pujols. All right. Well, David got three that round. So <laughs> Pujols, has, Pujols has the edge and hits by a little over 300. Miguel Cabrera has one more triple. And Albert Pujols is crushing him in stolen bases, 116 to 39. So I'll keep score for this because it's pretty easy. David's got three. Marty and Art have two. And Brennan got one. All right. So we'll go to the next one. And Art, you're starting with this. The pitchers are Max Scherzer and Clayton Kershaw. And the categories are wins, innings pitched, and career shutouts. Okay. Uh, Wins, innings pitched, and shutouts. Yep. Okay, wins to Kershaw, innings pitch to Scherzer, shutouts to Scherzer. Okay. David? I wanted to do clean clean sweep for Scherzer, but I think Kershaw has more shutouts. So wins, innings pitch, Scherzer, shutouts Kershaw? Yep. Okay. Brendan? This is these are obnoxiously hard, but they're good. Uh, oh, thank I'll you. say wins and innings, Scherzer, Kershaw for the shutouts. Okay, so same as David said. And then Marty. Same answer. That they said? Yep. All right. Well, good job cherry picking, because that is the answer. Oh my God. You guys are just like the guys sit behind me in class. So, so the wins, Scherzer has him edged out 190 to 185. Uh he has him by about 80 something innings. And Kershaw killing him in shutouts, 15 to 5. So after two, David's got six, Marty's got five, Brendan's got four, and Art's got three. And we are starting with David on this one. The players are JT Romito and Gary Sanchez. And the categories are home runs, RBIs, and walks. Walks, JT. Um. Oh my God. Home runs, Gary Sanchez, mm-hmm. RBIs, Real Muto. Because I feel like Gary Sanchez has like 33 and like 80 RBIs. Okay. Brendan? Yeah, I was thinking the, the same as what David said. <laughs> I'll see if everyone calls soon. <laughs> I mean, I, I, it's, it's not, I guess it's not bad to cherry pick them. So you're locking in the same answer? Yeah. But I thought All of right. it independently. <laughs> All right. Marty, are you following them again? 
I don't want to, but yeah, that's that's the that's the that's, the, that's it. Okay, and then art. Um, we came up with this the same way David came up with that Charlie Morton <laughs> Nelson Cruz comparison. Oh, oh, that hurts. Hey, shout out Andrew Gold from Fantasy Pros and Pitcher List. Andrew Gold is the guy who um, he asked if Charlie Morton is the new Nelson Cruz. Yeah. Ah, he's a very smart cat. But I like the, I like the comparison, Brendan. I, th- I, th- I think that uh, I think that uh, Sanchez has home runs, JT has RBIs, and I'm gonna. I think Sanchez gets a decent amount of walks. I'm gonna give him the walks. Maybe I'll make up something here. All right. Well, David's another three for three. So Gary, <laughs> Gary has him edged out in homers, one thirty eight to one twelve. JT killing him in RBIs by ninety one, and JT has him by seven walks, two twenty seven to two twenty. <laughs> It was close. I thought. Close. Hey, can can we do this game every week? I think I found my game. <laughs> All right, maybe. All right. So this one we're starting with Brendan. The two guys we're comparing are Francisco. Can't cherry Lindor. pick this time. Yeah, Francisco Lindor <laughs> and Xander Bogarts, and the categories are home runs, stolen bases, and RBI. Okay, let's go Lindor for the steals. Okay, and then. I should know this. I'm a Red Sox fan. And then we'll go Xander for the other two. All right. So Lindor for steals, Xander for uh, home runs and RBIs. Yes. All right. Marty. Uh, I got to switch it up. Um, I'll say Lindor steals, Lindor RBIs, Bogarts home runs. Okay. Art. Um, I'm going to say home runs, Bogarts. Uh, Lindor steals and RBIs Bogarts. Okay. And David. Is that what Brennan said too? Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I forgot, but I, I'm pretty sure Lindor's got steals. Bogart has more RBIs. I don't want to copy Brennan's answer, uh, but I do think because Lindor, I don't think, has had as many 30 homer seasons as Bogarts had. So you're doing. Same yeah. answer as Brennan. Uh, yeah, I'll, put, I'll go. I want to go. Lindor has more homers. You're switching it up. Yeah, yeah. I want to go. Lindor has more homers. All right. Well, wise decision because he does have more homers. So Brennan gets oh, three on that switch. one. David, David should have. David should have switched it up. So Lindor has him 158 to 141 in homers, 109 to 66 in steals, and Bogart's killing him in RBI 610 to 474. So we got two left, and then I have some tiebreakers. So for this one, we're going back to the beginning with Marty. The players, Bryce Harper, Mike Trout. The categories, walks, home runs, and RBIs. Walks, Trout, um, homers, Trout, RBIs, Harper. Okay. Art? Uh, Walks, Harper, home runs, and RBIs, Trout. Okay. David, same as Art. Yeah, it's it's. I, I would be shocked if Harper has less walks than Trout, but I'm pretty okay. sure Trout is more in the other two. All right, Brendan. Good God, I'm just trying to think about how much time Harper's missed, but Trout's missed a lot of time recently too. Uh sorry. Well, homers, RBIs, and walks. Yep. Um. All right. Let's go. Harper walks. Homers and RBIs, Trout. It's a clean sweep for Trout. Trout has him by 32 walks. 
And then obviously 310 to 267 in homers, 816 to 752 in RBI. So going into our last question, Marty has eight, nine. Marty's got 11. Art has nine. David has 13. And Brendan has 12. Oh, it's anybody's right. game. It's anybody's a game. game. This is it. And, and, and Art starting with this, and this is the most obscure one to end it. It's relief Good. pitchers. We're Good. comparing Aroldis Chapman and Kenley Jansen. So the categories are wild pitches, hit by pitches, and <laughs> career strikeouts. And you have to say who has more. Okay. So Art, we're starting with you. Uh, Chapman has more wild pitches and more hit by pitches and more Ks. Okay. That's what I'm going to go with. I think, I think Chapman sweeps it. All right. David. There's no way you gave us one back to back with sweeps. I, Maybe I feel I like, did. Maybe I don't know. I, I feel like I know your brain. That's not how you're doing it. Remember it when like you a, over, remember when you overthink the other ones? Yeah. Now you're doing reverse psychology. Okay, so <laughs> I think Chapman has more hit by pitches for sure. More wild pitches. And then what was the other one? Career strikeouts. I'll say that Jansen Jensen's been uh, pitching for a while. I think people might be sleeping on his Ks. And Chapman throws fast and you see stuff, but he also like they just there's a lot of broken bat like infield singles against him or infield like outs. So I'm gonna go Jansen for the uh for the last one. So wild pitches, hit by pitches, Chapman, and then career strikeouts, Jansen. Yes. All right. I regret that. It's gonna regret that. All right, Brendan. As someone who rostered Chapman this past year, I feel like he had more wild pitches just in uh, this year alone than Jansen. Um, I'm going to go Chapman for the clean sweep on this one. Okay. And Marty. Um, Chapman for the sweep. All right. Well, David with another perfect round. So, Oh, baby! Chapman, Chapman's wild pitch is 62. Kenley Jansen, 17. So not even close. Hit by pitches, Chapman is 29 as opposed to 26 for Jansen. And strikeouts are close. Jansen, 1,022, and Chapman, 1,002. So, David, wow, 16 out of 18, cool. man. I don't think you've ever done this well. No, I've, I've found my game. i found good my job. Good job. Boy, if David's good at this game, it means we're never doing it again. <laughs> <laughs> I will say, Doc, that was a very well-put-together game. You're just saying that because you won. Sure. No, I mean, kind of be non-biased about it, but it, that was that was fantastic. Uh, but on that note, Brendan, man, thanks so much for coming on the show tonight. Absolute ton of fun having you on, and really appreciate you giving us your time. Yeah, absolutely. As like I said at the start when we were just hopping on, like, and I mean it sincerely. There's no place I'd rather be on a Thursday night than uh, talking fancy baseball with some good people on the internet. So uh, thanks for having me, guys. <laughs> I love it, and, and please. Make sure plug all the great stuff that you're doing right now. It's it's a ton of, of good stuff that people need to know about. Yeah, so I'm working over at Underdog Fantasy right now. So check us out if you get if you like playing, you know, uh, basketball tournaments or you know, pick them or anything like that. Um, I'm on Twitter at too much Tuma, and then I am doing uh, my own little podcast, just kind of like a passion project. It's called Fantasy Baseball Prospects and more. We talk about prospects and other things. I love it. And again, make sure you check out the podcast that he's doing. If you haven't already check out underdog fantasy and, and again, uh, appreciate you, man. And, uh, for those that tune into triple play every week, we appreciate you guys, whether it's the podcast or the YouTube 
Next week, we're going to be joined by another great guest for some more off-season content. But until then, everyone stay safe, happy drafting, and we're going to make like a bread truck, and we're going to haul these buttons. Catch you guys in the next one.